Genesis 3, if you have your Bibles. Genesis 3. This was about 12 years ago, but uh, it uh, broke in May of uh, 2021, uh, 2011 rather. Um, And what it was is that there was a man, his name was, I'm going to butcher this, but Mr. Abra Rissar, I think is how you say it. He was making contact with a man he thought was a Mexican cartel drug dealer member but actually was a member of the U.S. Drug Enforcement uh, Agency. And over a series of meetings, it came out that he actually was going to be targeting. He was willing to pay $1.5 million for the assassination of the Saudi ambassador, Adel El-Jabaris, on U.S. soil. It was financed by the Iranian government. And what fascinated me about this is that the Iranian government wanted to try to get two shots in on one hit, if you will. They wanted to embarrass the United States, and they have a feud with Saudi Arabia. As I began to think about that, and when I remember reading and hearing about that and being kind of fascinated by that story, that it, thank God it was uncovered and everybody was safe. But that's exactly how the devil works. He targets you with the goal is to embarrass God at the same time. To hurt God, to make God feel embarrassed as well as take you out. There's a rule in the Bible. It's called the rule of first mention. When anything is mentioned for the first time in the Bible, you can go back and look at that and understand that this is how that particular issue will work and grow from. You can look at all sorts of different issues. It is a biblical rule called the rule of first mention. We're going to look at the rule of first mention in the strategies of hell and how he targets people. I want to consider that with you because I believe this could help you if you understand the way the devil works. Genesis 3, beginning in verse 1, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals of the, uh, uh, the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say to you, you must not eat from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, the woman replied. It is only the tr- fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. Uh, to eat, God said. You must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and the fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom that it would give her. 
So she took of the fruit and ate it. And then she gave uh, some to her husband who ate it with her. He ate it too. This gives us an insight into the devil's strategies because this is the first temptation. This is how the devil caused humans to fall. Eve made the decision. Adam went along with it. uh, And that his strategies are still at work today. There are many people who don't even believe that the devil is real. That, uh, or they, they do two things with the devil. They either minimalize him. Oh yeah, he's not a real threat to us. Or they overemphasize him and everything's the devil and he's everywhere and he's, you know, God's just kind of struggling to keep up with him. But the Bible tells us that he is real and he targets you. 2 Corinthians 2.11 So that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. William says of this, to keep us from being worsed by the devil, for we know what his intentions are. The Bible tells us very clearly that the devil's strategies are revealed. We can know how he works, how he operates. It is not a mystery when the devil begins to tempt people, when he begins to work on people. In fact, 2 Corinthians 11, Paul writes a little later and he says, But I fear somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. That here the reality of devil trying to maneuver into your life, uh, begin to uh, begin to get you uh, to disobey God, to begin to sin, and not think that there's any real issues with it. He does this by questioning God, questioning His Word, questioning His character. God had told Abram, uh, God had told Adam that you can eat of all the trees of the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that you shall not eat of. Never said don't touch it, but it would be a good idea if probably if you didn't. The serpent questions the word of God. Listen to verse 1. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat? the fruit from any of the trees of the garden. He questions God. He questions his character. Is that really what God said? Is that really who God is? You you know, I, I just have this picture. I think I've used this before, but I just kind of picture him being from like Jersey. Yo, yo, Eve, come here. Come here. Honey, listen to me. Did God really say you can't do that? She's like, wow, I don't know. See, the strategy of the devil is he'll always question and challenge God's character and God's word. Do you believe that the Bible is the definitive word of God and the revelation of his character? Because that's what the Bible is. It is the definitive word of God. 
It's not up for negotiation. You can't have a no-confidence vote and oust the Speaker of the Heaven. It's not up for negotiation. But the devil will always challenge. Listen to what Jesus said, John eight forty four, talking to the Pharisees. You are, a, you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do evil things. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. You know, it's amazing that Bibles are so easy to get today. There are all sorts of translations and reading level Bibles and all of this. The these and the thous of the King James, they, it's not how we talk anymore. It's how they did in Shakespeare's day, but not our day. But the devil's a master at twisting, lying. You know, the best lies have some truth in them. The best lies come from emotions. And that's where the devil really masters. He's appealing to emotions, so we lie to ourselves. Oh, I know that's wrong. It says Eve fell for the three issues of life that we've got to watch out for. She looked, she desired, and she thought it would do her good. Isn't that what sin's lie is? You look, you desire, and you think it will benefit you. I've talked with people who have committed adultery. And it started with a look, a conversation, a thought. And they thought there'd be benefit. Wow, this would be better. As they're weeping, as they're knowing they can't get back what they did, they can try to make up for it, but they can't get it back. But they thought, oh, this would be better. Peter warns us, and he says in 2 Peter 3, 15 and 16, Remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved Paul, brother Paul wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him, speaking things... In all his letters, some comments are hard to understand, but those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different. They do this with other parts of the scripture, and this will result in their destruction. The master of the twister of the scripture is the devil. He twists what God said and gets us to go for it. Yeah, it's not really sin because yada, yada, yada. I don't have to obey God because this or that or this or that. You know, they say ignorance 
of the law is no excuse. That if you're arrested for a crime and you say, well, I didn't know it was wrong to take everything out of Walmart and not pay for it. It's not going to be an excuse. The thing that really is interesting here is that Eve knew what God had said. And she still went with her emotions. He also gets you to question consequences. It's only the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or touch it. You will die. And the serpent's reply right away is, you won't die. You won't face the consequences of your actions. You can sin and it's no big deal. You can, you could, you know, no one will know. No one will find out. No one will ever uncover what you've done. And that's the belief that some people think is, oh, well, I can do this. And it's going to be okay. Because that's what the devil will try to convince you. Galatians says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. I've seen this play out in lives after life after life. They want to live one way. You know, and people believe lies. We were in Nepal... And uh, we went to this restaurant that's actually going to be in the Guinness Book of World Records for the most things on the menu. He's aiming for 3,600 items on the menu. It's 12 restaurants in one. There's all sorts. It's just, it's, the guy's, he's from New York. He's city. And he's gone back to Nepal and he's aiming for this. But the owner came over to our table because we were white Americans and so. And uh, he, he was talking to us and he said, you know how people get sick? You know why they're obese in America and always sick? They drink cold water with their meals. <laughs> what? Yeah, they drink cold water with their meals. Like, oh. So it's not calorie count or bad food or too much food or no, it's cold water. So there's your answer. I had a Lithuanian teacher of, of she supposed to teach us Lithuanian. She didn't really, but uh, she, she was a smoker. And she told me that she was not going to be in a risk of heart disease. Because she didn't eat at McDonald's. I'll never have a heart attack. Because I don't eat fatty foods. Like, people will believe what they want to believe. You can try to believe that your sin isn't sin, but it's still sin. He will try to convince you that sin will satisfy you. It says that God knows your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it. You'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. This will be a great experience for you. It'll be something that will make you a better, bigger person. This is the lie of sin. 
This is often why young people will trade in their virginity. Oh, because I'll have, I'll be, I'll finally be. And they've got to live with the guilt of that for the rest of their lives. This experience will make you bigger, better, stronger, smarter, faster. This drug, I had a friend who was trying to get me to do acid, but I couldn't do it because when he did it, he acted like a cricket in the corner for three hours. I'm like, no, that's not for me. I'm not making that up either. But he's like, no, it'll expand your mind. I'm like, no, dude, you were chirping in the corner over there. I saw you. No, thank you. Sin kills. Sin's a disaster. Sin ruins. Sin destroys. The problem with gamblers is they always think they're going to hit it next time. One more time. One more time and it's going to come home. One more time and it's going to come home. One more time it's going to come home. There's a book called Habits, Why We Do What We Do. It deals, talks about the subconscious. It talks about gambling addiction. It talks about one woman who lost everything. Her house. And as a result, her family, her job, her marriage. Because next time she's going to hit. It's not about the STDs or the unwanted pregnancies. It's about the pleasure of the moment. See, the problem with listening to the devil is shown here, too, in our text. Eve was pretty happy not to mess with the tree until she started talking to a serpent. Actually, when she started listening to him, the woman was convinced. That's verse 6. From a fruit that she said, don't touch it, to now she's saying, want a bite? In just one quick move, because she had a conversation with a slimy devil. And if you're wondering about the old serpent, the serpent of old, this is a title of Satan that is brought out in Revelation 1210. That serpent, the dragon of old, the devil, Satan. She's looking at things very differently. If you spend time listening to the devil, things that you said you would never do, you'll do. Things that you never thought were negotiable are now acceptable. I would never backslide. But why are you talking to a serpent? Why are you listening to a serpent? Why are you wanting that which will destroy your life? God was very clear. The wages of sin is death. But you're going to fill your mind, your ears, your eyes with lies from hell. What's the power of the media? You know, think about the millions of dollars they spend on commercials, especially Super Bowl commercials. 
because they have the biggest audience and people are watching for the commercials. It's probably the only show where people actually are interested in the commercials as well as the program. They have 15 seconds, 30 seconds, maybe a minute if they're a really wealthy company to change your mind and attitude on their product. Sometimes to introduce you to the product and by 30 seconds convince you you can't live without it. Well, what do two-hour movies do then? Well, I haven't got a TV, but you got a Netflix, can, or a Hulu, or a Roku, or any one of these kind of nonsensical things. See, sin's a slow progression of changing your heart. The old illustration of boiling, boiling a frog may not be accurate. I, I don't know if a frog would actually stay in there when the water begins to heat up. But if you drop a frog in boiling water, it'll jump out, the illustration says. But if you put him in cool water and begin to slowly heat it up, he'll stand there until he dies. I've seen Christians do that. James 1, 13 through 15. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempting you to do wrong. And he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, with which enticed us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Ecclesiastics says, when a crime is not punished quickly, people feel it's safe to do wrong. Because consequences aren't seen right away. It's okay. No big deal. But I'll tell you, it plays out. When you start making bad decisions, subtle bad decisions, maybe imperceptible to most people, bad decisions, begins to take you on a trail that will take you away from Jesus. To try to justify yourself, you'll do what Eve did. Get others involved. So as soon as she did it, she gave it to her husband. It's amazing how evangelistical sin is. It's amazing how when someone begins to sin, how they want to tell others, you should join me. You should try this. And then it becomes peer pressure and many give in. They begin to give in to foolishness, things that they wouldn't do. Propaganda is everywhere. And sin is very evangelistical. They promote We've seen it in all sorts of agendas. You know, as my wife said to me one day, why is it that the LBGTQ and the pro-abortion people are together? LBTQ people can't get pregnant. And yet they're pro-abortion. 
that interesting? Because sin is evangelistical. You will recruit others. You will excuse others. So let's talk about a winning strategy. Because our text gives us the opposite that we can have to defeat the devil. It's very, very healthy. One is know and live what God has said. John 6, 63, the Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you, they are spirit and life. These are the words of Jesus. The Word of God will keep you and I from sin. It was Charles Spurgeon who said that the Bible will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from the Bible. It's important to know what God said. It's important to read your Bible. But it's more important to live what you read. It's very interesting that when Jesus is tempted in Matthew chapter 4, he's tempted by the devil. The devil first says, if you be the, why are you hungry? If you be the son of God. And Jesus replies, it is written. Then he takes him up to the tabernacle and says, cast yourself off the angels. And he says, it is written. Then the devil shows him all the kingdoms and says, just bow down and it is written. He's quoting the word of God that gave him a Authority and power over the devil. Eve is kind of vague on this. She's not actually quoting it correctly. You know, uh, let's see. For God so loved the world, and cleanliness is next to godliness, and I pledge allegiance to the flag, and, and um, something like that. Get away from me. Right? It is written. There's power when we quote the Word of God. As a pastor from time to time, help people, help men sometimes. There was one man addicted to pornography in Prescott, Arizona, and I began to help him and be mentor, and he went through a program called Pure Life. And they quote the Word of God. I was impressed how much they put the Word of God as emphasis. You want to be free, it's not going to be just discipline or try hard. It's going to be let the Word of God get inside you. That's what will help you. The second is to know that life plays out over time. As people will say about sweets, a moment on the lips, a lifetime on the hips. The truth of sin is a moment of disobedience, a lifetime of regret. Because you can't get it back. You can't undo it. If you understand that there's consequences 
then you'll go on to understand what Galatians 6 says. Let it, so let's not get tired of doing what is good, for just at the right time we'll re- reap the harvest of blessing if we don't give up. That the reality of doing right, you never lose. But you let emotions and all, you lose, right? Do what's right. And realize that make a mental decision to fight. That I don't want to be this way. There was a old song in the 80s. And it was called 18 to Life. And it was all about getting involved, one, one young man becomes an alcoholic, one young woman gets a sexual transmitted disease, and the chorus was 18 and life to go. It's there forever now. They couldn't break it. Now, of course, there's no hope. They didn't know Jesus. Jesus can restore. I understand all that. We'll get to that in just a moment. But the reality is, make a mental decision that realize, you know what? This is not going to be the way I want to live. It's not going to be my my defining moment of life. I'm going to stand for what's right. Have you ever thought for one moment if Eve had said no to the devil, how different this world would be? Maybe that's too far from us in our minds. So let me ask you this question. How different would your life be if you had said no to one sin? In your past, somewhere, how, li- how different would it have been if you just said no? If she had left the tree... We would not have to fight sin. But we do. And the devil lies and we have to resist him. James 4, 7. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee. The winning strategy is to know first that he's targeted you. He has you in his sights. His bullseye. He wants to. And he's patient. He'll wait it out. But if we'll resist by submitting ourselves to God. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. Stay alert. Watch out. Your great enemy, the devil, he prowls like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him. And be strong in the faith. And remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. Set yourself to oppose him. The thought is a wrestling match. Or if the picture shows us, maybe a chess match. That we set ourselves, that we're going to realize his strategies and do our best with the help of God to overcome sin. How? Well, read your Bible. That'll help. Quote the Word of God. 
Pray fast if you have to. It's what Jesus did for spiritual power when he was being tempted. Another great way is always tell somebody about Jesus. I'll tell you, when you start talking about the Lord to someone else, all of a sudden, your faith is revitalized. That'll get you through the lies of the devil. If you've fallen to the lies of the devil, there's restoration. It's not hopeless. Jesus came to redeem And he redeemed Peter over and over and over again. He redeemed others over and over again. He can redeem you over and over again. But at one point or another, you've got to set yourself against the devil. You've got to realize his strategies are not what you need. And that you can have victory over him. Eve didn't, but Jesus did. Romans 5 tells us by one man, Adam, sin entered, and because of sin, death. But because of one man, Christ, stayed righteous, now many become righteous because of that one man. We can become righteous because of what God has done. What Jesus did on Calvary's cross for you and I, shedding His blood, we can be free. We don't have to live defined by sin. You can be free. But you have to recognize the strategies of hell to overcome the devil himself. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. You're here this this evening. Maybe you're not a believer. If you're not a believer, you have very little hope of overcoming the devil, overcoming sin. You have very little hope because you're doing it on your own strength. This is what Eve did and Eve fell. You can't make it on your own strength. But the wonderful news is that Jesus Christ came to earth to die for you that you can be made new changed forever his child that you don't have to live bound in shame and sin he can set you free in a moment of time if you're here tonight you're not right with God you're not a Christian you're not born again you need Jesus I wonder if you'd slip up your hand say you know what that's me I'm living in sin I'm not right with God anyone at all maybe you're here and you're backslidden you believe the subtle lie of the devil and changed appeal to your emotions took you away from the word of God and all of a sudden now you're questioning the word of God you're questioning what God said is real you're questioning whether and maybe now you've even felt some of the consequences but the good news is Jesus Christ
with your heart right now. So pray for me. Get my heart right with you, Jesus. I have not been serving God. I believe
Let's thank God. Let's give Him praise. Father, we love You, God. We glorify You, God. We worship Your name, God. We seek Your